We're in Leviticus again. This is the second sermon out of Leviticus. There may not be a third sermon out of Leviticus. It's rough sledding in Leviticus. But we'll be looking at chapter 10. When God brought Israel out of Egypt, he did so with a mighty hand. He brought ten plagues upon Egypt, but Israel was part of the first three plagues. But uh, God wanting to show his authority, his power, not only to his people Israel, but also to a pagan, idolatrous nation, Egypt. In Egypt, Pharaoh was worshipped and considered as deity. And God, with his plagues, he attacked each and every one of Egypt's false gods through the ten plagues. One of the things they really worshipped was the Nile River. And one of the plagues, of course, was turning the Nile into blood. And it was a vivid demonstration to Egypt of their foolishness in worshipping false gods or idols. And in Exodus, we read how God hardened the heart of Pharaoh, but only after Pharaoh had hardened his own heart. Idolatry, which Egypt was caught up into, is always a man trying to transform God into their own image or into what they think God should be. And the philosophies and the teaching of some churches are simply trying to conform God into their image of what they think he should be. And it's not a popular teaching in, in, in the Christian world today of God being a just God who judges sin. It seems like people don't want to hear that. Many want God to be a warm fuzzy, never judging or condemning sin. But in truth, God gives his commandments to us and he declares, obey them. He makes no excuse. He says, obey them. The flood of Noah's day, it was a worldwide judgment by God against sinful man. God brought judgment on an unrepentant, sinful world. And then in Egypt, we experience Passover, a time when the Jews celebrate the escaping of death from God that was brought upon Egypt. And all of Egypt suffered the death of their firstborn. And that was nothing more than a judgment from God upon a sinful nation. God's message to mankind is repent of your sins and avoid my judgment. And that's simply through Jesus and his cross. Many people, again, regard God as being cruel because he judges sin. 
But one of the unchanging characteristics of God is he requires, he is required by his nature to judge sin. And that offends many people. It offends those basically that need to repent. (laughs) The good news for us is we who believe in Christ, we have avoided judgment by the cross of Christ. And for that, we say, thank you, Lord. Last week, we did look at chapter 10 of Leviticus. Nadab and Abihu, they were judged by God for offering profane fire. God had given Moses instruction on how his sanctuary, how his tabernacle was to be approached in worship. He gave instructions on how a priest was to be righteous, not only in his behavior, but in his attitude. And this comes right as Israel is beginning their 40-year journey into the wilderness. God is forming them, making them into a nation. And God requires holiness from his priest that represent him before the people. The method, the way the priest approach God is critical to God. And we have chapter after chapter in Leviticus of God giving us instruction on how to offer sacrifices, how the priests are to be clean before him, even down to the type of clothes that they were to wear. Yet Nadab and Abihu, who know these requirements of God, have been instructed by Moses and Nadab and Abihu have been instructed by their own father, Aaron. But Nadab and Abihu, they've taken liberties of disobedience. They're not obeying God, but they're doing their own thing by offering profane fire. So let me read verses 1 through 7 of chapter 10 of Leviticus. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all people, I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. Then Moses called Michelle and Ezelphan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, Come near, carry out your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So they went near and carried them out by their tunics out of the camp, as Moses had said. And Moses said to Aaron and to Eliezer, And to Ithamar, his sons, do not uncover your heads, nor tear your clothes, lest you die. And wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, be well the burning which the Lord has kindled. You shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the words of Moses. What an alarming way to kind of begin worship there in the wilderness. 
But in verses 8 through 11, and I, I won't read them, but it indicates that Nadab and Abihu were probably intoxicated when they offered this profane fire. These priests and their disobedience cost them their lives. So how does that relate to today? We're in an age of grace. Years ago, I attended a Christian concert, and the lead singer of this Christian band was moved to pray before singing their songs. Now, I don't remember anything about his prayer except who he directed his prayer to. His prayer was directed to the Holy Spirit. I listen to prayers, maybe you're like me, and I agree with prayers whenever I can. I want to be in agreement with prayers. But this musician was all concerned about the Holy Spirit coming and anointing his concert. But then he began to drift. <laughs> he began to pray that the Holy Spirit uh, would, would do things that he should have been praying to God the Father for. And he began to make requests that the Holy Spirit would move on the hearts of the people. And even ask the Holy Spirit to save many that evening. Salvation belongs to Christ. I don't question his motives. I don't question his intent. But we never see prayers offered to the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. We just don't see it. Prayers are directed to God the Father in the name of Jesus. This young musician, his theology, to say the least, was askew. But my point, God cares how we pray. God cares how we worship. And God cares how he is represented by pastors and priests throughout his church. Israel, they're a witness to God judging Nadab and Abihu. Right there in front of them, these two priests are killed. And Israel is also a witness to as how Aaron will react to his sons being killed. Aaron is not allowed to mourn his own sons. For God tells him, don't mourn them, lest you die. Under the threat of death, Aaron doesn't mourn his sons. Because if Aaron was to mourn his sons, that would have been interpreted by the people that God was unfair and not righteous in his judgments. And you say, well, yeah, that was the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, <laughs> there's a similar judgment by God shortly after the day of Pentecost. The church is expanding. There's tremendous growth in the church. There was a sharing of possessions by all the believers to the point that no one considered the things that he owned as his own. 
And in Acts 4, you may want to turn to Acts 4, and we'll look at Acts 5 also. But in Acts 4, 32 through 37, Now the multitude of those who believe were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of land or houses sold them and brought them the proceeds of all the things that they were sold that were sold. And they laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each one as they needed. And Joses, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. In verse 33 there, we have the apostles with great power are giving witness of the resurrection of Jesus. And great grace is upon the entire body of new believers. But there were great miracles, similar miracles of God when he brought Israel out of Egypt. God now demands from his new church, from his people, to respect and honor him as this new church age begins. Therefore, we notice the judgment of God upon people who act holy and righteous and those who do not. So let me read the first 11 verses of chapter 5 of Acts. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have lied, you have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last, so great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, Yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at the feet of and breathed her last. And the young men came and found her dead and carried her out, burying her beside her husband. So great fear came upon all the church, upon all who heard these things. What a reveal. Notice Peter's word to Ananias. This property the, and the money and the sale of this possession 
was it not yours? It was yours, Ananias, yours under your control. So why have you conceived this lie in your heart? You see, Ananias planned this lie along with his wife, Sapphira. Now, Sapphira has not only agreed with Ananias, she's part of it. And we have a married couple here who are not a check and a balance to each other in righteousness. Ananias, he should have had my wife. When I drive, going down the road, I feel obligated to be judge and jury over what I deem bad drivers. I will say things like, you do not have to stop to make a right turn. You can be moving. Or when coming to a four-way stop and waiting for the car with the right-of-way, I will say something like, okay, Bubba Louie, it's your turn. And my darling wife will say something like, Pastor Don, I don't think they hear you. Okay. <laughs> this same wonderful wife, though, she will come home with an armful of shopping bags and she will announce, Look how much money I have saved. My reply, Honey, you saved nothing, you only spent. I've got to get my licks in when I can, all right? But seriously, on spiritual matters, God has given us that are married a helpmate. And we're to be that helpmate to one another. Sometimes I'll look at a verse that's critical to my sermon, and invariably I'll ask Lori, what does this verse mean to you? And then I listen. I want to hear what she has to say. Recently, I wanted to use the word nepotism in regards to Aaron and his sons. Lori said, why not simply say Aaron favored his sons over the other people? Okay, we can say it that way. Now, it was not Sapphira's fault that Ananias conceived his lie. But she was in agreement with it. And being in agreement with this lie required her life. Because they didn't lie to men, but they lied to God. They were playing the hypocrite. And all hypocrisy is, is the acting out of a lie. That is all hypocrisy is. Sapphira, not knowing her husband was dead, she's confronted by Peter. And notice the boldness of Peter here. Did you sell your land for so much? Yes, yes, for so much. <laughs> How is it that you have agreed together with your husband to test the spirit of the Lord? You know, we can lie to one another. 
And we are very adept at appearing righteous. And we too can play the hypocrite. Acting holy. When in truth, we may be living a lie before God. Years ago, when I was an usher at Calvary Chapel of Modesto, you know, we pass the plate and you wait there and then they pass it back and so forth. I had a man who stopped the offering plate, opened up his wallet and flashed a $100 bill and put it in the plate. You notice those things in a bad way. <laughs> and right before Lori and I left Modesto to come here, that same man made a show of giving me $100 for our trip. I wanted to tell him no thank you. But instead, I immediately took the $100 and gave it to a single mother that I knew could use the money and didn't know the story. Eh, you know, <laughs> a little bit Hebrew, okay? But I did not want anything from that man personally. I didn't like the way he made a show out of giving what he gave. That's one of the reasons we have offering boxes in the back. We don't want to make a show of giving. Giving is a special thing between a believer and God. And the way we give matters to God. Ask Ananias and Sapphira. Now in the law, worship of God through sacrifices and offerings was to be performed God's way. Nadab and Abihu were judged and killed by God for offering profane fire, or fire that they themselves put in their censers. In the early church, under the new covenant of Christ, Ananias and Sapphira were playing the hypocrite, acting holy all the while promoting their lie. And God killed them, killed by the Holy Spirit. And their death had an effect on the early church and everybody that heard of these things. Ananias and Sapphira caused me to be very sober before God. Because Ananias and Sapphira were killed, and it says they were killed during great power, great grace, coming from God, and it brought about great fear. A lot of greats there. In all things, be true before God in your heart. If you need to repent, we're granted repentance. Repent. Repentance is a good thing. We do not have to continue to live a lie or be going in the wrong direction. Repentance means to turn away from. This has been a particularly hard week. 
Because every now and again, God shows you your heart and what you see you don't like too much. God showed me my heart, and I didn't like it too much. So this week has been a week of repenting for me. And it's God's way, I guess, of showing me that I, too, need to repent. So let me get you to stand, and we'll close in prayer. And we will pray. Father, I thank you so much that through your Son we have repentance. We do not have to continue. We do not have to go down a path that is wrong, contrary to you, sinful, Lord. We get to stop and turn. And so, Lord, we would pray, create within us a clean heart, a pure heart. We want to worship you in spirit and in truth. We want to be righteous before you, Lord. We don't want to be a hypocrite. So, Lord, help us. Thank you that you gave us provision through Jesus to have a right standing with you, Lord. What a blessing. So do your good work in our hearts and lives, Lord. We would just pray, Lord, that we would continue our fellowship with you and with one another during our potluck, that it would be a good time of us being together, Lord. But most of all, Lord, just do a good work in our hearts and lives. Thank you again for your love towards us. And we pray and ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Before